I'm excited that listeners will have so many opportunities to apply this work to their own lives. I really spent three concentrated years writing this book. Then in three short days, those three years just got compressed into this single performance. More than anything, I just want this book to be something that is helpful and a good guide. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet meditation teacher, Reiki master, and reset founder, Liz Tran, writer, editor, podcast host, Andrew Leland, and founder and CEO of the Become Project, Bethany C. Myers. Hear Liz Tran on the intersection of business and spirituality, Andrew Leland on researching what blindness and sightedness means to people around the world, and Bethany Myers on how helping people was the driving force behind their book. Plus, hear each author's reflections on unexpected and exhilarating moments in the audiobook studio. Enjoy! Hi, this is Liz Tran. I am the author of The Karma of Success. My book sits at the intersection of business and spirituality, and I was inspired to write it because I'm kind of a business book junkie. I love reading business books. I've read probably over a hundred of them in my life. And what I was noticing is that there was this perspective missing, right? It was all about how to get ahead and do things perfectly, follow all the right rules, play the game perfectly. And I realized that there was this part about the internal world that was missing. What about our own innate guidance? What about the intuition that we have for ourselves? And I also wanted to fill another hole that I was seeing in business books, which is that I want to provide more role models that people could feel like they had something in common with. You know, as an Asian American woman, I was reading about a lot of really magnificent people like Thomas Edison and people who didn't really seem like me. And I wanted to fill the karma of success with stories of women, people of color, activists, entrepreneurs, artists who are deeply inspirational to me. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be emotional. I got really emotional because I have a real personal connection with my audience through the podcast and Instagram, and I was imagining saying these words to them in the same way that I coach my one-on-one coaching clients. I was picturing myself cheering these people on, being their greatest supporter, being their coach, being their advocate, and I got really emotional doing that, but in a good way. Not sad. Very happy. (laughs) One section of my book is called Inquiring Inward, which I just said perfectly right now, but at the end of every chapter, I'd have to say this phrase, inquiry exercise, that I found really tough, and I had to say it like four or five times. Inquiry tripped me up, and it appears on like every page of the section. So that was really hard. And I also, I love alliteration, so there's a lot of alliteration in this book, and I realize that that trips me up a little bit as well. I'm excited that listeners will have so many opportunities to apply this work to their own lives. 
The book is filled with prompts and questions that ask listeners to look within and ask what they want, where they want to go, what they care about, what matters to them. And I love having that space, both literal and otherwise, in this audiobook where people can take some time for themselves. Because I think we all in this world are quite busy. We're running around, but so little of that time is dedicated to ourselves. And I hope that the audiobook is a chance for people to just dive into their own inner psyche for a little bit of time. I've prepared for this audiobook by just trying to be as comfortable as possible. So I'm wearing very soft clothing right now. I mean, they said to do this in the email, but I think it was out of a sound quality thing, but I did it because I just wanted to be really comfortable. I had, you know, a nice morning before I came here and I didn't do much by way of thinking about how to construct my voice or persona. I just wanted to be as authentically me as possible. If I were to record this again, I would have brought my foot warmer, which I actually thought about bringing. It's this little contraption that you plug in and then it gives you a nice heated feeling around your feet. And I use it while I'm sitting at my desk and I'm working sometimes. And while it's not particularly cold, I do find it very comforting. And I thought about bringing it But I was worried that the people in the studio would judge me. But now having met everyone here, I know that that's not true. My dream narrator to record my book, if it weren't me, would be the Dalai Lama. I have this little part about him in one of my chapters that's about, you know, DLD, what would the Dalai Lama do? It's a question I ask myself all the time. And I just think he's terrific. Whenever I see him speak, he appears to be having a great time, even when he's discussing very serious topics. He's laughing, he's enjoying himself. And so I think that the overall feeling, if he read this book, would just be so joyful, so fun. The last great audiobook I listened to was actually a re listen because I loved it so much three years ago that I needed a little bit of wisdom from it recently, and it is Becoming by Michelle Obama. And I probably will never meet her, so it's such a gift to hear her voice reading it, and she just seems so herself. And I listened to this one chapter because I wanted to hear her basically tell me that everything is going to be okay, and it worked. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is while I'm hiking with my dog. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Don't worry too much about what's happened or not happened in your career so far. The past doesn't matter. None of it is relevant to where you're going. The only thing you must do is choose to see yourself differently from how you've seen yourself before. What you've thought of yourself in the past has gotten you to where you are today. So it stands to reason that if you want something else, something different, something more, you'll have to see yourself in a new way, too. Hi, this is Andrew Leland, author of The Country of the Blind, a memoir at the end of sight. I wrote my book because... I've been losing my vision for more than 20 years, but it's really only in the last five years that it's become more intrusive and more interesting to me. I started using a cane about seven years ago, and as soon as I brought it out into public, I noticed that everyone started treating me differently from 
strangers on the street to close friends and family. And this really pushed blindness from something that was just something that I had to deal with that was inconvenient and scary into something that I became intensely curious about. So at that point, I really started in on this journey of trying to understand what blindness meant, what the history of it was, what it meant to me and also to blind people around the world and to sighted people as well. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be exhilarating. I really spent three concentrated years writing this book, reporting it, revising it, interviewing people, writing about my own experiences, going to archives. Then in three short days, those three years just got compressed into this single performance of the book. I really relived those three years and many more in this process of recording the audiobook. It's kind of fun because writing the book is filled with so much anxiety about getting every sentence right, every fact right, every emotion, every feeling, every scene. And then when I get to read it, I know it's done and I can just sort of enjoy it and almost pretend like I'm having all of these thoughts off the top of my head, even though they've all been labored over over the course of many, many years. And I found that a lot of the emotion that went into the book in writing it flooded back in when I read it for the audiobook. There were some words or phrases that I realized I didn't know how to pronounce. I realized I had trouble pronouncing a lot of the French words, even though I don't worry about it when I'm reading them to myself. As soon as you have to record it for posterity, the anxiety level rises. And so I found myself saying tentatively things like consvent. And amazingly, the engineer I had for one of the days that had the most French on it is half French. And so he helped me out a lot. But also I felt hesitant, totally copying his pronunciation because I thought it sounded awkward to just be like, oh, and then there was this guy named Valentin Maui. You know, I didn't want to just be over the top. So I, I tried to split the difference. I'm excited that listeners will hear this one word, actually, that I had a lot of fun recording. At the beginning of one of the chapters, I talk about James Joyce and his experience with blindness and how his blindness impacted his literary style. And that sets off this larger chapter about blindness in reading and writing. And I quote a word, a single word, from Finnegan's Wake, Joyce's most experimental last novel. The word is a hundred letters long. I had heard an audiobook of Finnegan's Wake, where this wonderful Irish Joyce scholar and actor records the novel. So I had heard his reading of that hundred letter word that sounds really like an incantation, because it is obviously not an English word or any word in any language. It's an invented word, as Joyce invented so many words. And so I blew the word up huge. I still read visually, but I need large print. I was reading my book in, I think it was like 30 point. I cranked this one up as high as it would go. I think it was like 50 point font. And I just let it rip. And I, I think I got it. But I'm really curious to hear what listeners think of that moment in the audiobook. I think it's fun. So as I mentioned, I have low vision, so I still read visually, but it's difficult. And I prefer to read audiobooks, but for this audiobook, I needed to read it visually because my Braille skills aren't good enough to read aloud. And so to prepare for this audiobook recording, the main thing I did was I had to reformat my book's manuscript in a format that I would be able to read visually comfortably. So it took some technological effort, actually. And 
just around the time I was going to be recording the audiobook, I heard about this typeface called Atkinson Hyperlegible that was specifically designed for people like me with low vision. It looks like a relatively normal typeface, but there are lots of little tweaks that make it easier for somebody with low vision. It helps reduce the number of letters that look like each other. I actually loved it. It's a very well done font. So I reset my whole book in that and put it into a document that I could read easily. If I had to record this audiobook again, I think I would bring a mouse with a silent roller wheel. You know how computer mice can roll with your finger? There's like a little scroll wheel. I didn't have one of those. And I had my book set in giant font on my laptop screen. And I thought, okay, I'm going to be able to do this because I can just be constantly scrolling. You know, because I could really only have at most one sentence on the screen at a time. And sometimes I found to my chagrin that I wrote some long sentences and those went even past the screen when I had the font blown up to 20 or 30 point font. And so I thought, well, that's fine. I'll just scroll. And then I was shocked on the first day when the engineer told me, actually, we're, we're picking up the sound of your finger scrolling on your trackpad. And I just thought, oh no, I'm not gonna be able to do this because I have to be able to scroll. And they said, well, just read the first part of the sentence and then take a little pause, scroll, and then read the second part. And I did that. And I just thought this is going to sound terrible because I say, you know, Jack and Jill, scroll, scroll, went up the hill to fetch a pail, scroll, of water. And how are they going to stitch that back together? But they played it back for me having cut out those pauses. And it sounds surprisingly natural. So kudos to those engineers for cutting out a bazillion pauses as I scrolled. But next time, I definitely try to bring a silent scrolling wheel and save myself that pain. If I wasn't going to record my own audiobook, I would cast Alexander Scorby. Alexander Scorby was a legendary narrator of audiobooks for the blind. And he was one of the first narrators when audiobooks first became popular decades before they became popular in the mainstream population. His heyday was the 1950s. He recorded the Bible. He recorded all kinds of classics of world literature. And for blind people of a certain age, Alexander Scorby's voice is sort of the voice of God. In the case of the Bible, you know, it's the voice of, it's really the typeface that you read all of your books in. I've listened to some audiobooks that he's recorded and they are wonderful. You know, if you're into that sort of authoritative voice of God for your book, Alexander Scorby would be an amazing guy. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was the wonderful novel by the novelist Nell Zink called Mislaid. It's funny, there is a commercial audiobook version, but I didn't read that one. I read the version that's on the National Library Service for the Blind's audiobook library called Bard, which often gets commercial audiobooks, but sometimes when one's not available or there's a copyright issue, they'll just hire an actor or sometimes even just an amateur volunteer to record the audiobook. And for whatever reason, the audiobook narrator of the Library for the Blinds version of this novel is different from the commercial audiobook narrator. Her name is Martha Harmon Party, and she just did a fantastic job, and I really loved it. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is probably in bed. You know, for many, many years, I didn't listen to audiobooks very much, and I was a visual reader. And as visual reading has become more and more difficult, as I've lost more and more vision, I try to recreate a lot of the experiences of visual reading. And I find that lying in bed, you know, just like I did when I had my little book light, now I can do it in the dark. I just love putting in the earbuds next to, next to my partner in bed and just listening for two minutes or 20 minutes or two hours. 
It's really one of my favorite things to do, and I love that I can do it in the dark. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Thanks. There are as many ways of being blind as there are of being tall or sick or hot. But the popular view has always conceived of blindness as a totality. The blind bards wandering the countrysides of ancient Japan, China, or Europe, the blind housed in asylums in the Middle Ages, all the pupils and all the schools for the blind from the Enlightenment onward, blind beggars and lawyers, war veterans and toddlers, in the eyes of history, as well as those of most of their contemporaries, they all saw nothing. Hello, this is Bethany C. Myers. I am the author of I Am More Than My Body. I wrote my book because I wanted to help people. I think at the end of the day, that was my main goal the entire time. I remember very early on talking with my editor, and I was like, I think conversations about bodies and about self-acceptance and eating disorders, they can get so heady, they can get so deep, and sometimes it's not easy to digest. And I really want anyone to be able to pick this up and it be digestible and it feel compassionate and they really feel like they've been wrapped in a hug. You know, I'm from a small town in the Midwest and I feel like growing up I didn't have a lot of resources. And so constantly in my head was this younger version of myself, what is something that I need to hear? And also, you know, my nieces and my family and the people that surround me that I love. More than anything, I just want this book to be something that is helpful and a good guide. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be fun. I was not anticipating it to be fun, but I really had a blast doing it. I specifically had fun just reading the book out loud in general. I mean, I think... I really like to talk, so that part was fun. But it was really nice for me to return to the words. Since I turned in my final manuscript, I had a baby. And going back to the words and talking about, you know, body and self-acceptance, like, it was really something that I personally needed to hear at the time. And so it just made for a very enjoyable experience. I realized I had trouble pronouncing words that are plural, so getting the S to be clear through the microphone, like protagonists, (laughs) plural, with an S at the end is still very difficult for me to say, but that was probably the hardest thing that I encountered when recording. My favorite section to record was the final chapter. I mean, the whole book is personal to me, but the final chapter is really a lot of my story, specifically with infertility, miscarriage, and pregnancy. And I think that what's in that final chapter is really something that a lot of people need to hear and I myself need to hear. That section is definitely my favorite. I actually did not get to prepare for the audiobook, and the reason why is because I had a baby like two months before we recorded any of this, so my head was so in baby land and baby time that it kind of snuck up on me, but I almost think that was a good thing because I wasn't stressing about it, and I just kind of got to go in and do it. It actually ended up being for the best. 
If I couldn't record the audiobook myself, I would probably cast someone in my family. I feel like I would cast my niece to read it. <laughs> the book is so personal that I think somebody that's close to me and I love would be the only other person that could possibly read it. So Ava, you can read the book. <laughs> the last audiobook I listened to was The Red Tent, which is my favorite book of all time. I mean, I think I've read it like eight times and listened to it twice. <laughs> I don't typically listen to audiobooks because I'm such a visual person that I need to see what I'm taking in, but I could listen to that audiobook over and over because the story is so profound and incredible. Love that book. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is I would say anywhere where I'm alone and can zone out. So, you know, putting in headphones and taking a walk or while I'm cleaning the house is my favorite place to listen. And now listen to a clip from my audiobook. When I was young, I used to watch Nick at Night religiously. I particularly loved Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie, two 1960s sitcoms featuring glamorous, magical protagonists. I remember being convinced that I had supernatural powers, too. I just hadn't learned my signature move yet. Samantha the witch would wiggle her nose, and Jeannie would stack her arms and blink to access her Jeannie gifts. So all I needed to do was find my own twitch. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.